couple of weeks ago we studied Acts chapter 18 verses 1 to 23 which included the two verses that we had in today's reading but today I want us to just focus on just those two verses. Now, As I told you um, when we talked about the larger passage when Paul arrived in Corinth he'd had a really rough time of it and, and he was afraid. Uh, we know this because when he later wrote to that church in Corinth, he said to them, when I came to you, I came in weakness and in fear and much trembling. All right? So he, he was actually afraid. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Yeah, it, it's amazing. God knows, hey. You know, when you're going through tough times, the Lord knows. When you're filled with fear, the Lord knows. And the Lord knew that Paul was afraid and so he spoke to him. He spoke to him to calm his fears. He spoke to him to build his strength um, and to encourage him in the purpose that God had set there for him to do. And the Lord knows when we're afraid. And the Lord speaks to us when we're afraid. So when the Lord spoke to Paul in this vision, he said to him, he gave him a do not, he gave him a do, he gave him another do not, and then he gave him three promises. One of these promises is a promise which is valid for all Christians at all times, and the other two promises were promises which were specifically for Paul and even more specifically for his time while he was in Corinth. So, What was the first do not? Do not what? Do not be afraid. Yeah. A little boy had a part that he had to play in a school play and he was supposed to come out on a stage and say, It is I! Be not afraid! And he stumbles out on stage and he says, It's me! I'm scared! You ever felt like that little boy? Yeah, we know in our heads that we're not supposed to be afraid. Hey, we're Christians. God's on our side. We know in our heads we're not supposed to be afraid. We know in our heads that God is with us. We, we know in our heads that God will give us the strength to get through whatever he throws at us, but there's still that feeling of fear there. This, this fear just rises up within us and, and, and it holds us back and we're filled with fear and anxiety and worry. But what fear is the Lord specifically talking about here? Well, we'll go on to the do. So we had the do not. Do not be afraid. We'll go on to the do and the next do not. So do not be afraid, but do go on speaking. And the do not, do not be silent. So what sort of fear is he talking about here? He's not talking about the fear of spiders. He's not talking about the fear of snakes or the fear of heights. All these sorts of fears are actually God-given fears. You know, we sort of tend to think that, oh, if we're ever afraid, well, that's not good. But no, no, these fears are actually God-given fears. We have these fears for a very good reason. They represent dangers that we are to avoid. I remember one time we used to have a pet galah when I was a kid. And uh, one time we just heard this screeching. It was... And we went outside and there he is, he had his wings spread as wide as they would go. Every feather played out and his comb was sticking right up in the air. 
anyone guess what was going on? Can anyone guess? Now, it wasn't a carpet snake, but it was a snake. There was a snake in his birdcage. Now, he was afraid for a very good reason. He was about to become dinner for that slithery fiend. And God has built into us the capacity to fear, the capacity to be afraid, and he's done this for a very good reason. Because sometimes it's right to be afraid so that we will give dangerous situations a wide berth. But that's not the sort of fear that the Lord's talking about here. The sort of fear that he's talking about is not fear that comes from him. It's fear that comes from the evil one, and that is a fear of being a witness for Jesus. Some of, some of my favourite TV shows are police shows or, or, or legal shows that we see on telly. And a common theme that we keep seeing coming through in their storyline is, is that of a witness being afraid to testify. All right, they want, don't want to testify against the baddie because they're afraid of what's going to happen to him. So somebody might get murdered in the street and there's 20 or 30 witnesses and nobody's willing to point their finger and say he did it because they're, cause they have to live in that community and they know there's going to be ramifications from the other gang members or whatever. So they're afraid to be a witness and so they're not a witness at all. A witness is someone who tells what they know. A witness is someone who tells what they've seen. A witness is somebody who tells what they've experienced or what they know to be true. A witness is not somebody who sees something. A witness is somebody who tells what they've seen. A witness is not somebody who knows something. A witness is someone who tells what they know. A witness is not somebody who's experienced something. A witness is someone who tells what they've experienced. And so when the Lord said to Paul, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, the Lord was telling Paul, you keep on being my witness. Don't let your fear stop you from witnessing. Actually, he was actually straighter than that. He actually told him not to even be afraid. Bravery is when we act despite our fear. Brave people still have fear. Bravery is when we act despite our fear. But the Lord isn't telling Paul to be brave. He's telling him to have no fear. Two different things. And that fear that Paul had, and this is the reason that I wanted to take these two verses and spend some time on them, that very same fear is the fear that many of us have. True? Is it true that we have a fear to be witnesses for Jesus? That when the opportunity's there, we, we think, oh, this isn't going to go well for this relationship if I actually tell this person about Jesus? We'll be quiet. We're afraid to speak about Jesus. We're afraid to testify about the goodness of God. And so we say nothing. And that's just the way Satan would have it. The Lord has built into us the capacity to fear so that we can give danger a wide berth, but Satan twists that God-given fear 
that God-given capacity to fear so that we're afraid to do the very thing that we were created to do. We were created to worship God. We were saved to be worshippers of God. We were saved to testify to, to his greatness and his goodness and his mercy. We were saved to be witnesses for Jesus. You know, we, we've sort of come up in an age where it's all about us. It's all about us. And in our self-absorption, we sometimes treat life and even salvation as if it's all about us. You know, the most popular gospel message out there today is, you are so wonderful, you are so special to God, um, you know, you are the one that God wants, you, wants to save, right? It's, it's, it's making us the special ones, it's making us the reason for salvation. But you know this, it's not all about you, it's not all about me, it's all about Jesus. And it's all about God and it's all about who God is. The Lord saves because that's what he does. He is the saviour. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. The Lord saves for his glory. The Lord is glorified when people are saved. The Lord is glorified when we are witnesses for him. We are to be witnesses to the glory of God. We are to glorify the Lord for what he has done in Jesus Christ and the best way we can do that is telling people about what Jesus has done by being witnesses for him. By telling them that Jesus has saved us and he's your saviour too. He wants to be your saviour. But fear prevents us from being the witnesses that we were created to be. I was thinking about this. How do you tell the difference between a God-given fear and a satanic fear? And this is what I come up with. A God-given fear preserves us from evil, whereas a satanic fear prevents us from good. A God-given fear preserves us from evil, whereas a satanic fear prevents us from good. So why should we not be afraid, right? It's more than just being brave. Why should we not actually be afraid to speak out and tell others about Jesus? Well, the first promise he gave is a promise for all Christians. In fact, it's not even stated as a promise. It's stated as a statement of fact. This is something which has already come to pass. This is something which is already true. This is something which is already happening every day. He said, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent And here's the promise, for I am with you. It's a statement of fact. The Lord is with us. In Genesis, the Lord said to Isaac, fear not, for I am with you. He said to Jacob, behold, I am with you and I will keep you. He said to, through Isaiah, he said, fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. He said to Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. When Jesus sent his disciples out on on the Great Commission, he said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can you see a bit of a pattern here? It's not hard. 
It's not a trick question. Don't be afraid. Why not? Because God is with us. Jesus has not left us alone. He's with us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? We we all know Psalm 23, don't we? That's the most best-known psalm of all. And verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a promise. It's a statement of fact. If you feel that God has deserted you, your feelings are wrong because he hasn't. He is with you. Um, when Tiana asks the kids the question about the time they they were really afraid and the dads come in to the situation and they weren't afraid, I straight away thought of a time when I was a kid and I don't even know where we were. We were somewhere up north somewhere. We went to some zoo. Anyway, us kids, me and my brother, um, oh, they, oh, we wanted to go back and have a look at some particular animal. I can't remember what it was. And we head off and we got lost. But we sort of just kept walking and kept walking. Anyway, um, we somehow must have walked out of the public area and into the backstage area. And then we realised we were in the wrong spot. And we thought, okay, we'd better get back to the public area. And we start walking and there was two big ferocious guard dogs stopping people from getting into the public area from the private area. And these dogs just bailed us up and they were just... And we were just like... I mean, like, we, we, we knew dogs. We weren't scared of dogs. We, we even had a dog. My uncle had a dog that used to bite me. But, but it was just a sly thing and just slink up while you weren't looking and you... And, and just bite me. But... But these things here, they, like these weren't like sheepdogs, like these were just, I thought they were going to eat us. They were terrible. And we just sort of stood there, not just absolutely afraid to move. And Dad came looking for us. And he was there and he turned up at about the same time as the people who run the show turned up. And... They had just tore strips off them <laughs> because they allowed, you know, that we could just wander into this dangerous area where these dogs were. But as soon as Dad was there, we just weren't afraid at all. We didn't have to be brave. Like we were there cowering in fear trying to be brave. But as soon as Dad was there, we, we didn't have to be brave. We just weren't afraid. And that's what it's like with God. When we really know that God is with us, you don't have to try and be brave. The fear goes when you truly know that the creator of the universe is there with you. It's a promise. It's a statement of fact. But then Jesus gave Paul two promises that were specific for Paul in that city of Corinth. He said, No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. I want to talk a moment about promises that we find in the Bible. There's a whole bunch of promises in the Bible and some people build their whole theology, everything that they believe about God and Christianity, revolving around claiming every promise that they can find in the Bible as a promise that's valid for them. I just want to warn you, don't be too quick to do that or else you're going to be mighty disappointed. 
Because there's a lot of promises in the Bible, all right. Some are made universally for all disciples of Jesus. Some are made conditionally, and a lot of those are particularly made to the nation of Israel. And some are made to specific people at a specific time for a specific circumstance. And it would be wrong for us to claim that God has made all of these promises just for us. That we can claim whatever promises he's made to everybody else as promises for us. So, for example, in this vision, Jesus made three promises to Paul. The first promise was, I am with you. Now, so we've got to ask ourselves a question. Is that a universal promise for all Christians? Well, yes, it is. Because over and over and over again, the Lord keeps making that promise. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I'm sending you out and I'm going with you, right? That's a promise that God has made to us and we can rely on that promise and depend on it and know that it's always true. What about the second promise he made to Paul? He said, no one will attack you to harm you. Is that a promise that we can claim today? That as we go about witnessing and telling people about Jesus, that we will never be attacked and we'll never be harmed. Can we claim that promise for today? No, we can't. We can't because Jesus has actually made a pretty universal promise, which is pretty much the opposite to that. Jesus said, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he's offering a service to God. That doesn't sound real safe to me. He's told us right up front that if we're going to be his disciples, then we have to take up our cross to follow him. And even think about Paul, right? Paul was given this promise and Paul was safe while he's in Corinth, all right, but what was it like for him beforehand? Before he got to to Corinth, he'd been attacked many times. He'd been stoned. He'd had lots of things done to him. And then later on, he would spend many years in prison and Paul was eventually killed for his faith. This promise of safety was only for the time that Paul was in Corinth. What about the third promise? The third promise was, I have many in this city who are my people. Well, that also was a promise which was specific to Corinth. In some places, Christ will be received with gladness. And in other places, Christ will be rejected and Christians will be persecuted. You guys can have a seat if you want. We're going to sing some more songs shortly. And so when we read our Bibles, we've got to, we've got to be real about about what we're reading when you see a promise in God's word have a good honest look at it and ask is this a promise that's for real is this a promise which is universal for all Christians is this a promise that I can rely on today and let me tell you there are a lot of them that are real and true and valid for us today but we've also got to be open and and think is this promise a promise that's made to a specific context, to a specific person, for a specific reason at a specific time. And if so, we can't rightfully claim those as promises for us. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with only one promise, doesn't it? But let me tell you, that one promise is enough. Who reckons that promise is enough? That God is with us. 
Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, go on telling people about Jesus. Do not be silent, for I am with you. Jesus hasn't promised you that you're going to be safe. It's tough gig being a Christian. If you openly testify to the goodness of God, Jesus, God has not promised you that you're going to be safe. In fact, Jesus has told us it's going to be pretty dangerous. But we should keep on doing it because in that danger, Christ is with us. In Matthew chapter 10, I think he explains it pretty well. He says, so have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light what you hear whispered. Proclaim it on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Then he tells us how valuable we really are. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, that, that, those last few verses, that really hits me. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. I want you to hold on to that as a truth. But there's also a warning there. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That means your faith isn't just a private thing. It should never be a private thing. Your faith and my faith is something that we should always be sharing, always be telling people. The command that is made to us is to keep on witnessing, to keep on speaking and to not be silent. We are of more value to God than anything else in all of creation and we shouldn't be afraid. Even in danger, don't be afraid. What's the worst that anyone can do to us? What's the worst thing that anyone could do to us? I could probably torture us and kill us. but they're not taking my life from me. If somebody kills me, they're not taking my life from me because I've already given it to Jesus. Do you get this? If you've already given your life away, nobody can take it from you. It's already gone. But, you know, to us, this may all seem like an academic exercise. It's all very unreal. Honestly, who here has had their life threatened because they testify to the goodness of God? Anyone? In some places in the world, it's certainly not an academic issue. It's a very real issue for them. And 
I'm going to say now, I actually won't be surprised if even within my lifetime, Christians who fearlessly speak the truth uh, will be in danger of going to prison in this country. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in my lifetime. But who of us now is in any real danger of speaking? We're still afraid, aren't we? Yeah. We're afraid to speak the name of Jesus to a world who needs to hear it and that fear is not a godly fear. That's something we need to be rid of. If Jesus is with us, in what way can that fear possibly be real? Now, I reckon maybe to get the truth through to us, maybe this is something we need to repeat over and over and over again. I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. You know, we actually learn stuff through repetition. Um, Do they still do that, teachers, today? Do you still learn stuff through repetition? I know um, that's how I learnt the times tables. Yeah, I still know the one times timetables really well. One times one is one. One times two is two. A bit harder when you get up into the elevens. Elevens, not too bad. Maybe twelve. Nine eights. Somebody quick, quick. Seventy-two. Good job, Jake. We, we learn stuff by repetition. Will you say this with me? You got up there, Robin. I will not be afraid. But I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. I'm not hearing the love, people. I'm not hearing it. I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. Let's try it again. I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. You know, when you feel the Lord urging you to tell you, tell a friend about Jesus and that fear begins to grow and you sort of think, oh, this might actually not go well for our relationship. It mightn't be the right time. Maybe I should just hold back a little bit longer. What are you going to say? I will not, I'm not hearing it. I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. When you can see that somebody's really hurting and you know that they need to experience the love of Jesus, but you're afraid to say something to them, what are you going to say to yourself? I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent, for the Lord is with me. When a very clever academic sort of person poo-poos the Christian faith and says, you know, that's all a load of rubbish and, and you're afraid to respond to them, what are you going to say to yourself? I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. Now, do you believe that? If you believe it, say it with me again. I will not be afraid, but I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me. Be encouraged and believe it and know it. So next week, you're all going to be able to come and tell me who you've, who you've shared your faith with, hey. And you're going to be able to tell me how many times you've quoted that during the week. I will not be afraid. But I will go on speaking and I will not be silent for the Lord is with me.